Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to another episode of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. Taekwondo Life Magazine is a member of the Believe Sports Network. Believe is the number one sports and podcasting network for professionals. Do you believe? Check out our podcasts everywhere that podcasts can be found, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Believe.com. My name is Mark Serianis. I'm your host. I'm the editor-in-chief, and I'm a third Don Black Belt. Today, I have the great honor on this program of interviewing Grandmaster Robert Sugar Croson. Grandmaster Croson is a 60-year practitioner of a variety of martial arts. He is the founder of the Sugar uh, Rai Jiu-Jitsu style, and he is a gentleman who has networked with significant martial artists from every style imaginable, from Ed Parker to Bruce Lee to Sheehan Bobby Hansen to members of every community. As a young student, one of the youngest students of Grandmaster Moses Powell, he got involved in the martial arts early. He had a great propensity and proclivity for learning self-defense, learning forms, learning the techniques necessary. He is the story that we love to feature, a story of how the martial arts has helped someone to live their best life. Grandmaster Croson spent his life traveling the world, competing, learning, and teaching the martial arts. He has amassed over 4,000 awards. He's won over 23 world titles, and he is a 10-time Martial Arts Hall of Fame inductee. We talk about his current life. We talk about his history. We just scratched the surface in this fun and exciting interview. He talks about his entrepreneurial spirit, how he makes his own dough box, how he makes his own weapons. He is a true Renaissance man, a true martial artist. I know that I'll be speaking to Grandmaster Croson again. He has become a new and dear friend, and I look forward to hearing your feedback on this, just the first episode that will give you the overview of the life and philosophy of Sugar Croson. Thank you. Enjoy. And please be sure to like and subscribe everywhere that podcasts are found. Good. Very good. Very good. I'm very honored to be speaking to you today. Oh, likewise. Likewise. How are you? I, I love your 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 logo, your dobak. Very good. How is everything with you in the pandemic? How are you holding up, sir? Um pretty good. I can't complain. Good. Can't complain. Um, you know, my wife and I we live here in Tampa, Florida, and pretty much I'm just staying safe. Uh good. I have to go to uh, Walmarts or you know the pharmacy. I usually I wear my uh, I wear my gloves, 
I have my face mask. I have my samurai sword. I have my throwing knives. So good. good, good, very good. I lived in Tampa in around 2000. It was very nice. It's very nice. Very pretty. Good. I like the weather, actually. The weather in Tampa is good most of the year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love it here. I love it here. Very good. So, very good. So, with you? Everything's good. You know, in New York City, it's a little bit strange. It's a different, uh, but the city's seen ups, the city's seen downs. If you've been around a long time, you, 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 you've seen the, the roller coaster of New York City. So it's, it's on the down cycle and it'll be, it'll be back. The people of New York are very resilient. So, yes, it's different. You know, I was born and raised in Brooklyn and East sure. Brownsville. So uh, I lived there all my life for uh, about 60 years and I've been here now. Well, actually, about, yeah. I've been here about six years. Oh, wow. So about 61 years I lived in New York. Good. Well, one of the things I like about Tampa is a lot of New Yorkers. A lot of a lot of ex-New Yorkers are in Tampa. They're, they're, at least they were at the time that I was there. So I'm trying to move from New York to get away from all the crazy. Yeah, but they, even before, a lot of retirees and, and folks that were, you know, New York folks. So it was a little bit of a different uh, mentality. But um so let's let's talk a little bit about you. You, you grew up in, in uh, Brook, born and raised in, in Brooklyn. Um, at the time that you did, how'd you get involved in the martial arts? I mean, it's it, uh, you know again, um, you know the availability today. There's martial arts schools on every corner, but it wasn't the case when you were when you were when you were younger, when you were a kid and growing oh, well, up. I, well, I actually started my my first experience with martial arts was in 1957 under the guidance of my father, uh, James Crossan, Reverend James Crossan, who was a hand-to-hand -hand combat instructor in the military. Wow. And he would come home on leave and he would show my brother and I little, uh, what he called jujitsu tricks. And uh, from the very first technique that he ever showed me, I can remember that technique. It was like a takedown technique. And at the time, it was fun and games for me. I mean, three, four years old. I didn't know what I was doing. I know I was having fun with Dan, come up, chop him, you know, he yeah. picked me up. And, and um, as I got older, I never lost interest. You know, four, five, six. I think I was about five or six years old. And he told me the story. He came in the uh, living room one day. I didn't know he was there, so I had set up some pillows. I may have been a little old, maybe seven, but in any event, I would have a pillow here, a pillow there, a pillow there. Uh, I had my little John Wayne handguns on, you know, with the pearl handles, had them switched around. So, you know, I'm looking around, I see you guys looking for trouble. So I would pull my guns out and say, we don't need these. And I would hit the pillow and flip it, kick this one, chop that one, bam, and then take my guns and say, you know, behave yourselves. <laughs> so my father, I didn't know, he was behind me. He was like this. So I thought I was going to get in trouble for beating up the pillows. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, next time, make it five pillows. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> so that was kind of like the beginning of my training and I trained up uh, under my father's guidance for, I mean, all my life, he's shown me things, God bless his soul. But uh, at age uh, eight, 
I uh, started doing a little karate in a, in a cadet corps called the Atlantic Coast Patrol Navy Cadets. And then from there, I got into Shotokan Karate. Okay. Where under a gentleman named Richard Green and another gentleman named Mr. Sealy. And uh, it was a few instructors there at the time, might have been like green belts, purple belts, but they would show me different things. And even at that time, I had a friend that was uh, a red belt in uh, Korea Mudokwan. Oh, so sure. He would show me techniques. I used to read Bruce Tegner books, anything I could get. Um, if I saw a technique, I would try to emulate it or remember what the move was. And um, I just had this, I didn't know at the time, I had this ability to remember the techniques. If I saw one, two, three, I would practice it a few times and I would be, remember it. I'll get up in the morning, one, two, three. And even if I wasn't doing it correctly, I would remember the technique. But uh, fast forward uh, years later, I, I um, continued to train in Shotokan Karate, but at age uh, 11, no, it was before age 11. I'll just, maybe it might be a little bit off, but around age nine, I went to a demonstration and I saw this gentleman doing uh, some crazy stuff. And uh, anyway, long story short, it was Dr. Moses Powell. Oh, wow. So I was just so blown away that I approached him. I asked him if I could train under his guidance. And uh, he basically said, we don't really train kids because this is serious stuff. Sure. You know, this is not just some, you know, kitty karate thing. And at the time, they really didn't even have a lot of kids involved in, uh, in the martial arts. Back then, you pretty much heard about karate. You heard about jujitsu, maybe, but the uh, Japanese style jujitsu. And um, kung fu really wasn't even into play at that time. Sure. You know, uh, I mean, you hear bits and pieces and it started to. Yeah. But very much my experience, too, is that most of the places, serious places, there was no room for children. You you, you mm -hmm. needed to be a young, you know, you needed to either be a teenager that was developed and could prove themselves or you needed to be an adult and, and yes. generally a, yeah. and generally a male. It was generally mostly males, very few females in, in the systems that I trained in early, early on. Right. And from what I remember at one time was supposed to be this rule that you could not become a black belt unless you were at least 18. Right, correct. 21. Correct. And oddly enough, I made black belt around age 15. Wow. But I, I started early, and I mean, I, I would train every day. I would go on the roof. I lived in Brownsville, which was a rough part of Brooklyn. Uh, years later, Mike Tyson lived around the corner. Sure, sure. see Mike running around and so forth but i was a, an adult by then so uh so when when moses powell uh, the great moses powell said that he wouldn't didn't train you what was the path you took after that uh well he said that he wouldn't train me uh, he well he basically said you know come back when you are older because you're too young so i showed up at the uh at the school the next day it was at ps 258 in bedford Stuyvesant. So I'm sitting in the classroom. He comes in. Everybody stands up and bow. I stand up and bow. Sure. And he goes, what are you doing here? 
He said, I remember you. He said, uh, didn't I tell you come back when you're older? I said, well, sir, I am a day older and I'm ready to train. <laughs> he Good laughed. Day. He said, go ahead and sit down and watch the class. So as he's teaching and he's going through blocks, I'm like, ah, ah, and I'm trying to do the move. Ah, ah, and, you know, he looked. He said, that's not bad. He said, come in. He said, do that again. So then he said, let me show you something. And he did a, a role and he had one of the students do a role and he said, try that. Now I had been practicing that role since, uh, man, from way back when I first saw it in judo. But when I saw him do it, I, I went home, I practiced it all day. I'm rolling on my couch, I'm rolling on the floor. So I did the role and uh, bottom line, he was, he was kind of impressed with that. And he said, you know what? I don't know if we'll let you train, but you can come and watch the classes for a while and we'll see what's going on. Uh, I wound up training. That's great. I jumped in the class one day and I started training and uh, that was the beginning of that. And at age uh, 14, because I didn't miss a class and I would train every day and I still had friends that were in involved in sugarcane karate. And then uh, some years later, of course, the Green Hornet and Cato came on and that was inspirational to me. So that just really motivated me to continue to push and train. And um, at age 16, 17, it took me on a international tour throughout the Caribbean, which uh, changed my life because it's one, it took me out of the ghettos and let me see a whole nother perspective sure. of the world and uh, it made me realize it was more to life than just uh, what I would normally see, drugs, gangs, pimps, shootings, and, you know, all the poverty and stuff. But once we flew up and I saw, I mean, it was like crazy. It was like, I said, wow, I didn't know the world was this big. I had an idea, but it was like I had came up out of a bubble and I saw a whole new world. And I said, you know what? Not only do I want to be good, but I want to be known throughout the world. Throughout the world. Maybe one day, one day, I want to be so good that uh, I'll be recognized on TV. Maybe I'll become a world champ. I'll, uh, you know, and I just had these aspirations. And uh, by the grace of God, all that I kind of envisioned back then. Sure. To fruition. Yeah. That's great. That is, that is a, uh, you know, I, we, we, we've heard this story before. And it is the transcending the power of the martial arts training to transcend a neighborhood or a style or uh, even a country. Um, you know, it's international and, and it gives opportunity to really um, see the world in a, in a different place. And, and it gives people the opportunity to meet um, people from so many different aspects of the world that you have these this unifying you may not speak the language that they speak. You may not necessarily right. eat the foods that they eat, but you guys. Through yes. martial arts, we have the ability to connect with those people. And we have the connection, yes. And I've, I've uh, throughout my years, I have traveled to uh, Panama, Venezuela, Bogota, Colombia, Peru, Ecuador, Brazil, Cayman Islands, throughout the Caribbean and uh, England, and just various places, and especially the Spanish-speaking places that I didn't really speak the language, and then other countries that I didn't speak the language, but once you came to the dojo and you bowed 
It was just something there. You didn't even no, have you, you find a way to communicate, right? Through, through respect the was a universal thing. And uh, one thing he taught me also, because when you're in New York, you know, you got a mixture of uh, Jamaican, Panama, this. We used to just joking around called Panamanians uh, beans. And I think we called the Jamaicans coconuts and they called us Yankees, but it was friends just joking. Sure. sure. But when I traveled, when I got the opportunity to travel, I realized that internationally, I met some of the nicest people that I ever had sure. encountered. And it gave me a whole different perspective in the martial arts as well as outside of the martial arts. So, so you went on to do um, a tremendous amount of competitions, you have 23 world titles, uh, 4,000 awards, trophies, 10-time martial arts Hall of Fame inductee. Were, were that um, the majority of your competition was, was in, in sparring? It was in uh, fighting or was it in, in well, a variety of things, weapons and forms? and Variety. Things? I would say a great majority of my, my uh, competitions were in, uh, in kata, in weapons, in board breaking, in self-defense. Uh, I did spar earlier in the years and I did pretty well. Did pretty well. I fought in Venezuela and Bogota, Colombia and Panama. I fought various parts of the United States. Back then there was not a lot of exposure. And I was beating some top guys back then, but I was just a little young black guy in the neighborhood who, you know, we're not gonna put this guy on the cover. Who is he? But I was right. beating these guys, and then I would see the magazine. And the same guy that I beat, and maybe I dropped down and threw a kick and caught him, bam, boom. They had this guy, he's catching the kick, but then they're showing him saying uh, his famous technique to sweep the opponent out and then follow up with a punch. Then they did an article on him sweeping some guy and punching. Like, oh, wait a minute, I beat that guy. And they got him this, you know, so. Um, to answer your question, yeah, I've, I've competed in so many different events in just about every major event. I have won uh, martial arts decathlons and martial arts pentathlons. Wow. It sounds kind of crazy because people say, oh, I won this, I won that. And, you know, I mean, I, I got a, I got so much stuff. I don't even have like one, one whatever of my stuff. I don't know if you could. Yeah, I can see. Beautiful. Well, that's some, just some of my latest stuff. That's the ISK World Self-Defense Championships. I think it was 2015, 2014, 2017. We got another uh, world championship belt there. One day I got a bunch of stuff in my other beautiful, room. Beautiful. You know how it is. You got so many plaques and awards. You can't keep all that stuff yes, in the house. I know. But, Grandmaster, Grandmaster Parker's the U.S. Olympic coach. We, you know. Uh, yes. yes, more stuff in boxes than on the wall because you just yeah. you have to select it. Yeah. At a certain point, you got to select what, what goes up, and there's just not enough wall space for it. So yes, and it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to say you know three thousand, four thousand, but I literally have you know over the years. Uh, I mean, between plaques, awards, I got stuff here. I got stuff. Oh, it's crazy. You know, certificates, plaques, awards. I have stuff I don't even know. You know, I could probably look around here. I got a plaque there. I got a, yeah. you know, but this is stuff that I have brought here to Florida. A lot of the stuff I gave away. I had a fire in my dojo, and oh, wow. a lot of the stuff got burnt up. We had a boiler boiler explode in my house, in my apartment when I lived in New York. Thank God that no one was there. 
I had the trophy room. Everything sank in there. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the basement. And the and water was up about three feet in the basement. I wasn't going down there. No, of course not. Yeah. So I want to cover, we have a, a little time and a lot to cover. So you yes. made a transition from being this, this world, which you continue to be, world champion, competitor, um, student of Moses Powell, um, student of a number of different styles, to the evolution into your... Um, your system, which is the, and I don't want to say it wrong, the sugar uh, rye rye jujitsu. Do I, am yes, I yes, sugar rye, sugar Yeah, sugar So, so when did how did that evolve? When did that evolve? And and tell us a little bit about what that what makes that different from the the base of karate and jujitsu that you were studying previously. Uh, obviously, okay, well, first of all, uh, years ago, my instructor he realized that I had this special ability and creativity and he recognized that and that was a great honor from Dr. Moses Powell I mean and such people uh, as uh, Grandmaster uh, Peter Urban and uh, Grandmaster uh, it was just so many Professor Wally Jan different people who recognized and not from a bragging point of view but I mean I was blessed and honored that they recognized my level of ability and my uh, ability to create Professor Wally J, who was one of professor, who was one of um, Bruce Lee's friends and jujitsu sure. instructors. He uh, he actually said I reminded him him of Bruce. Not that I look like him, but just because my creativity. But um, I guess from the beginning, when I was a kid, if I saw someone. Uh, on TV doing a flip, I would go outside. If I saw a mattress, I would try that flip. And I kind of developed my gymnastic skills on my own. I was in the Army and Navy cadets where I learned how to spin a rifle and baton. And later on, I transitioned that into spinning weapons and learning how to strike. Um, I um, have always had, a, a, I guess, a, a athletic ability. I always like flipping. I just naturally had a good movement and uh, flexibility. It was okay, but I developed that later on. But um, what I wanted to do early on, because I actually got in a fight and uh, I'm throwing kicks at this guy's head and I'm tapping them, beautiful roundhouse kicks. That's when I was pretty much into the shoulder calling, but I'm used to just focusing. So I tap him and then bam, he hit me. I'm like, whoa, I throw a sidekick, pop, I pull it, he hit me. So I'm, you know, I said, man, this stuff ain't working. This karate stuff is not working for me. You know, and even though I enjoyed the content stuff, it was not enough. And I just had something in me, whereas I wanted to, I said, okay, if I could do a block, a punch, a kick, what if I did a roll and jumped up and kicked? And this is way before I seen sort of this stuff on TV. Sure. Way before I, the UFC have existed. I said, well, if karate is good, kung fu is good, uh, taekwondo is good, you know, and they all have their stronger elements. Why can't I take some of the elements of the dynamic kicking of taekwondo, some of the nice judo throws, some of the fluidity of kung fu or aikido? or the power of karate. And what if I mix all that up into a like a soup? That would be a dynamic combination. So I had this these thoughts from early on. So I would just experiment. You know, I would do a kata, da, 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 da. Then I'll do a roll and come up and do a jump kick, pop, pop. And I said, what if I did that same kata and I had a stick in my hand? 
This is before weaponry was popular. And I, I've done a lot of uh, weapons uh, sure. competitions back in the earlier days. But um, I started to develop, to develop my system, uh, wow, I would say uh, 1969, I started thinking about doing different things. And my instructor recognized it. And in about 1973, 74, he blessed me. He said, you know, he said, even though you're doing my system, Sanukas Ru, he said, you have your own thing. And he used to call me Sugar. You know, and that's the nickname, by the way, given I to me. I see that everywhere, yes. Yeah, Sugar's the nickname given to me at birth by my mother. Oh, really? Along with Robert, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sugar, or Sugar Ryu represents the birth of a new system, which, um, so going back to that, I just combined uh, quite a few things. I always had this thing, I wanted to mix it. And then after seeing Muhammad Ali, when he fought uh, Joe Frazier, Thrilling Manila and all that, I really became interested in the box. And I said, man, that guy, he is pretty. I'm fast, I'm pretty. I can't possibly be whipped. I said, man, <laughs> be like that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, you know, because I really wasn't into boxing. Always said, you know, karate man could be the boxing guy sure. in the day. Sure. It depends on who the boxer is and the karate right, sure. guy. The karate guy is a yellow belt versus somebody like... Uh, even if he's more than a yellow belt versus Mike Tyson, if he gets hit, it's over. But that's a whole sure. other story. Sure. So, yeah, so I decided to, as the years went by, combine karate, judo, aikido, weaponry, tai chi, pi, and uh, gymnastics, and what I call urban streetology, self-defense. But I didn't just throw stuff together. I train, I train, I became proficient in my karate. I would study the hand movements of the top instructors. Okay, this thumb should be here. Uh, when you shoot, throw the punch, hands in the chain, the striking with the large knuckles, kneel to the big toe, and you know, just, sure. I studied the fundamentals, the basics. So I wasn't just flip flamming. So I had good fundamentals in karate. I had good fundamentals in judo, learning about Haraya Ghost, Taito, Shippon, Siyanagi, Kata Garumba, Ukiwaza, whatever. So I learned the throws and I would practice, I would practice. So I, I over the years, I developed my system and uh, I shared a lot of it with instructors in places like Trinidad and Columbia, Panama and different places. And um, over the years, it just took shape, took form. I, I faced a lot of people who are you to start your own system. But sure. Where did this system start? That's it. Somebody started it. And I'm just a newcomer to the game, but it's nothing new under the sun, but it was my mixture. Sure. And that's and that's the elements of, of, of many things. And, and certainly if you, anyone who truly reads about uh, Bruce Lee and understands Bruce Lee knew that Bruce Lee believed in, you know, I, I saw somebody say even about Ed, Ed Parker, the same thing is that uh, the people studying um, uh, Kempo today, Ed Parker would have expected that it would evolve, that it would change, that it, 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 it would, it would become, because you, 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 you know, you, yes. you take different things that work and you. Absolutely. So in your system, in your system. But before um, I cut you. Sure. I became good friends with Grandmaster Ed Parker. He saw me do a performance at Madison Square Garden and he said to me, he said, you got something special there. That's sure. great. 
And, uh, you know, he told he me. He was a great admirer of what, of what works and of, of, of understanding the, um, the evolving nature of, of, uh, of martial arts and, and yes. mixed martial arts. Yes, yes. But that was a great experience to meet him. He asked me to come out to California whenever I got the chance. I didn't have the money. And then finally, when I did get the opportunity and finance, unfortunately, he passed. Sure, sure. Um, no, I, I, so does your system have a, it, it, does it have a system of, uh, of rank and, and, and belt similar to uh, traditional uh, of styles? Is, is Absolutely. It Absolutely. I mean, it's a complete system. I mean, I have, I have not only uh, uh, just regular katas, Indian katas, we have weapon katas, we have uh, falling forms, we have uh, wrist lock form so you have to know the different levels of the uh technique so for instance to go for uh, what i call gold belt and some people call it yellow belt but i said gold which represents like the gold medal number one the best uh, part of the requirement was you had to know your student creed you had to know uh pretty much be familiar with the rules and regulations you know and all other things clean uniform and all that but you had to know, you know, for instance, front kick, side kick, front rollout, sugar form number one. There was certain a certain criteria, and then as you go to the next level. So yeah, we did have different levels, and I I kind of uh, changed the uh, color structure of the belts to a degree uh, to kind of suit the student because I realized late on in in in, in my training that like. Perhaps like you, I mean, to go from white belt to yellow belt or whatever the next belt was, it took forever. And it wasn't like, okay, you pay your you pay your fee and then in two months, you're gonna get your yellow belt. Nope, your instructor, he put you through the test. He beat you down. And if you sure. came back, he beat you down again. And then he said, okay. And it wasn't even all the signing, the applications and stuff. It was like, okay, you get beat up. And then you say, oh, she promoted to yellow belt. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, know? I know it well. I know it well. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, you know, there's one thing to be a good martial artist and a good um, instructor. But, you know, there's an element of management of business that goes into running school and certainly running a style. Um, yeah. How did you find And sometimes those things are not necessarily always in balance because people have different have different levels of skill sets of things that they enjoy and things that they're good at. How did you find, for, from your perspective, um, you obviously have a great entrepreneurial spirit uh, as well as a great martial arts pedigree. Um, how did you find um, that part of of evolving your evolving your system um, from the stand from from that standpoint? In the beginning, for me, it was trial and error because I was no EFC or was no you know, these different uh, building companies that also help you with the marketing and all that, or, or sure. um, yeah, it, it, it was none of that back in the day. So it was kind of trial and error. It was like, okay, the fee is $25 a month. You need to pay on the first. And if you don't, you get whipped in <laughs> class. That was, that was, that was the strategy. And it was that mostly going to be a referral and word of mouth, obviously, because yeah, word of mouth. Sometimes not even the telephone book, but word of mouth. A friend would tell a friend. I would go to Prospect Park and I would train my students, and people would become interested. They would uh, call me or come by to school, and you know that's how it worked. But years later, 
I, uh, you know, I learned about different marketing companies from going through different conventions and so forth and speaking to friends and people who were su successful, like uh, Jeff Smith, who was very uh, successful at what he did and just different Dennis Brown and different people who were really doing well with their schools. And they would give me advice and tips on, you know, uh, uh, not only the marketing, but uh, just different aspects of uh, uh you know, the business sure. aspect. So it was it was kind of trial and error. You know, I, I made a lot of mistakes, but as I uh, progressed and got better at it, I, you know, I did well. And I, I actually had uh, uh, a lot of success with schools over the years. That's that's yeah. great. That is, that's really great. I mean, listen, uh, the mistakes are our best teachers, right? That's that's true of martial arts. That's true of business. That's true of life. So. Uh, yes. We learned we learned the most from it. So tell me from bring me again. We're trying to put a lot of a lot of uh, a career into a, a short a short interview. Um, yes. where, bring me up till to, to, to today. You're in Tampa. You're still active. Um, you have Croson uh, International uh, Enterprises. You're you're still training. I see you're you're still training. You're teaching. You're 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 networking. Uh, pandemic aside, but. Um, where is uh, Grandmaster uh, Sugar Croson today, and 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 what is um, um, what is your level of involvement in teaching and and competing um, to you know today? What is your primary focus? Yes, well, this very day, I'm actually getting ready to after this interview. I have uh, three uniforms that I'm making. I've been doing custom uniforms for years. I've made. Uh, robes for I made a robe for Muhammad Ali years ago. Wow. Mike Tyson, Eddie Murphy, I, I, you know Bill Wallace. I've made stuff for so I'm going to be doing some sewing. Along with the sewing, I'm currently working on my book, uh, uh, Shiru Jiu-Jitsu, and then I'm doing another one, Urban Streetology for Everyday People, uh, self-defense, should I say? Uh, so that's one thing I do. Uh, personal training on Zoom. I don't really do big classes, but I have students in Costa Rica and Brazil and Bermuda that I do uh, Zoom classes for, whether it's in weapons or just the boxing movement or the conditioning. Of course, I can't do the throws and all that, but uh, before the pandemic and after the pandemic, I'll be traveling again internationally, but just to keep them abreast and keep them sharp, keep them with the movements and so forth. So I'm doing that. Uh, I'm doing, uh, getting ready to really get into this. Uh, uh, well, I don't really do Facebook, but I want to do more of the social media things so I can share some knowledge. So I try to do inspirational uh, little video clips and I'm, I'm, I'm learning on the job training and getting better, but I've been doing that. And then I have my own jump rope, the cross and jump fit jump rope. I do some I don't know if you've seen me on YouTube. I do yes, some crazy yes. stuff with the jump rope, which over the years I've picked up from either being in, in training, uh, same gym or training individuals and being around them and picking up things, you know, from back in the day, watching Roberto Duran jump and he showed me some stuff and then being around Sugar Ray Leonard or uh, even in the presence of Muhammad Ali. And, you know, I just was always fascinated with the jump rope because it reminded me of a weapon that I uh, have won many competitions with, which is the three-section stamp. That is a long piece of pipe that breaks into a three-section stamp with chains with knives on the end. Oh, and wow. I, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice weapon that I made. I used to make all weapons, by the way. 
but uh, that is a, it's yeah. so impressive. You are you are truly a renaissance man, which I have met many martial. You know, some there's a, there's something about the way the brain works that many of the true martial the the real true martial artists have an entrepreneurial and a renaissance spirit of uh, being able to. Uh, I think it's 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 part of what you talked about of being able to observe the moves and then recreate them is a very yes. similar mentality to saying, all right, I'm gonna I need I want to create this weapon. I'm not going to necessarily try to find someone to do it. I'm going to analyze what needs to be done and I'm going to yes. create it. It's the same part of the brain, I think. Let me tell you something. I was walking down the street one day and this is a true story. I had got information about a tournament coming up and it was $50 grand championship. $50. That was a lot of money. I could take sure. my girlfriend to the movie. I could buy some White Castle burgers I, you know, sure. back in the day. And, so uh, I'm walking down the street. I said, man, I'd like to go compete in that. What could I do that's different? I had never worked with a three-section stand. I saw this uh, pipe laying in the trash, and I, I, I took it out, and it broke apart. I said, man. So I automatically got this idea. If I put a chain there, I can make the chuckers. But I said, what if I make three sections? So I did three sections. I put some screws in it, bang you know, holes in it, I took some knives. I went to the uh, hardware store, some razor sharp knives and put them on the end. And I started swinging these things in my house. Oh, I wow. cut my leg at first and I just practiced with them all day. I went to the, 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 the uh, material store later on. I bought some material, I made a gi. So I made a gi, I made this form up, I made this weapon, I went to the championship and I won $100 because I won the kata also. Oh, wow. wow. And then the uniform I made, I think I sold for like $35. So I, I got inspiring. a good it's, 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 <laughs> It is inspiring. It's a whole different yeah. thing to look at. Yeah. Let me, if you, in the interest, if you don't mind, uh, in the next minute, I want to ask you a couple of just general questions we like to ask folks. Okay. Tell me um, your favorite kick. Uh, the most, you for you. Your signature kick, front kick, side kick, round. What, what is your signature kick? Used to be or now? Well, you can say either way. Tell me whatever you think. Spinning back kick. Spinning back kick. I love it. Power kick. Great kick. Tell me about your favorite martial arts film. Uh, have... Well, I'll, I'll just say off the top, Enter the Dragon. Sure, sure. I just actually watched it on New Year's Day, believe it or not. I rewatched it on New Year's Day. And you know what? I got to tell you, it, it really holds up. It really holds up. It does. I, it's a classic. Suddenly, I want to leave your island. That would not be possible. <laughs> yeah. Come straight out of a comic book. That's exactly. That's great. <laughs> that, that is great. The great Jim Kelly. So yeah. um, tell me about your favorite weapon. My favorite weapon uh, was my three sections, which I don't use as much, but I love the bow staff as well. Very good. Tell me about your... What, what do you consider to be your greatest martial arts accomplishment? My greatest martial arts accomplishment was when my father was able to come to Madison Square Garden and see me perform in front of millions of people on TV, along with my instructor being there. So that was, uh, and I had many accomplishments, but that was one of my greatest. That's wonderful. That's a very personal and endearing accomplishment. What would you say is your... If you had to think about what you would want your martial arts legacy to be. 
I wanted to be that I, I, you know, I did my best. I was a true martial artist. I tried to inspire, uplift, educate, motivate, and teach on a positive note and teach the true Bushido and method of the martial arts. I, I've been going to uh, Robert uh, Sugar Crossing University this last week, and, and all of those things are what everyone says about you. So that, that, oh, well, that, that's you. very true. Thank you. Tell me I paid about- them well. I paid them well. <laughs> very good. <laughs> uh, tell me about what is, I think my last question before we start to wind down is, what is the future for, what is your martial, the martial arts future for you? It's a hard one over the last couple of months because of the pandemic. People are like, well, I don't, I don't know what my martial arts future is, but well, my martial arts future is pandemic the, aside. Yeah, mine's is to take it to the next level. I'm not sitting on the couch eating jelly donuts. I'm training, I'm creating, I'm, 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 I'm rethinking things, relaunching, re redeveloping my system and adding stuff to it. So when I come out doing seminars, I'm going to have a whole new thing. I'm going to be doing the books. I'm going to be doing the social media. I'm going to be doing uh, motivational speaking. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm right now, like I said, I'm creating new geese. So I'm learning new methods of sewing. So I'm just elevating, taking it to the next level. And that's what I encourage everybody else to do. Take it to the next level. Don't sit there. When I come out of this starting gate, uh, when this pandemic is over, I'm coming out like Hussein Bolt. I'm pew! Wow, that's great. Yeah. Grandmaster Crossan, we are going to be with you this entire journey, and, and you and I are going to have some follow-up conversations. I want to do some yes. articles, and, and you and I talked about the, the books, and we'll, we'll follow up and have those conversations. But uh, I, I want to thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Um, and, and I want to, if people want to follow you, I know you said you're not big on social media, but if people want to follow you, if they want to find out more about you, what is the best place for them to do that? Is it a website? Or it's a crossing on Facebook and I have it on Instagram. I'll be posting more stuff. And it's going to be, it's the one that, that I, I saw it's under sugar crossing is the, is the one. We'll, yes, we'll, yes, we'll, yes. So they can go there and uh, uh, my email is crossing. Robert at yahoo.com, C R O S S O N, Robert at yahoo.com. And I just, last thing, uh, just thank you, Mark, for reaching out and giving me this opportunity. It, to it's share been this wonderful. It's such, an, it's such an honor. Your, your reputation precedes you. Uh, you're inspiring. You know, uh, you're somebody who has made the most of the martial arts opportunity, and you are uh, the living embodiment of, you know, for young people, someone that they should look up to. Um, and, and you've lived, our magazine's called Taekwondo Life for a reason. You know, you, you, we, we try yes. to focus people who celebrate and who live their life, their best life through martial arts. And you are an example of, of someone who is, you know, our, our goal is to help profile people who can inspire, particularly our young people, which is what they need. We need, yes. they need, they need respectable people to look up to. And, and you are one of yes. those people. So. Yes, yes. I would love to do this again because I have so much I want to share. Well, you know what? You and I are going to, after after today, we'll I'll follow up with an email and you and I will set up, um, we'll talk about some more specific topics. I wanted to give people the overview today. This is like yes. chapter one. This is uh, Robert Cross and 101. And now we're go we'll get into some more specific topics. So Yes, um, I want to say one last thing to sure. the people. Stop explaining. Stop complaining. Just start training and maintaining. That's that is it. a wonderful, <laughs> and a wonderful way to end. And I thank you. I'm going to take my hat off and bow to you. I thank you so much for joining us, sir. And uh, I, thank you. Thank you. I look forward to it. And, and I'll look for an email from me. I'll follow up with you a little bit later on today. Thank okay, you. Okay, great. Thank God you. bless. Take God bless you. Thank you. Yes.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.